What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Told y'all before it was supposed to the bow. Nothing but the repeat with Wentz back on the throne. All we do is set trends, so you know what we own. Yep, I'm back with the remix. It's fourth and John. All birds, all Philly, midnight green. Things changing for the better since we got that ring. Put the league on notice. We're not done. 2019, we adding another one. Yeah, you heard me right on every Tuesday night. Eight to ten birds of a feather got that flight. Nothing but the hot takes. Back with the big facts for the fans by the fans exactly where we at pull up to the tailgate stop by f1 baptized by the pope been bass for everyone flying in from the west coast even overseas get blessed by ginger jesus we disciples of the tree wait chmp s don't stress we on the same conquest dominate the division destroy the nfc conquer the afc grab that vince lombardi wits to aj climb it up the gut be grand with the strip sack this sound familiar huh I can go on the slot, Sproles with the return, Mills with the pick six, okay, wait, it gets worse, Jay train on the run, J.E. hitting from 60, Fletcher seeing that D-line, that's what you don't want to see, Irks catching tubs, foes on another level, the Superboy, the only time you see that Philly special, we live from Broad Street, brotherly loves the heartbeat, hungry dogs run faster and we don't eat cheap, no one likes us and we don't care, cause we from Philly and we ain't never scared, look up. But I just gotta know one thing. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? What's up, Philadelphia? We from Wildfire Sports Studios. Welcome to the 4th and John Show, episode 62. Oh, that heat. Oh, the fire. Piccolo brought it again. You didn't think he'd do it? He hit you with the remix, baby. The 2018 4th and John Super Bowl champion remix. We would like to thank Piccolo for providing us the fire that ignites this podcast. Make sure you go pick up his album, Bacon, Egg, and Grits. Available on iTunes. Boys and girls, I'm on a high right now. Not high, on a high. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being like Chip Kelly's final season with the Eagles, and 10 being in February when we won the Super Bowl. I'm like at a 9.8 right now. Because it's the smell of the grass, it's the heat, 
It's the crack of the pads. It's the sound of the blow of the whistle. Boys and girls, Philadelphia Eagles football is back, baby, as the Eagles start training camp to defend the crown because there is nothing above the repeat. I am gassed up. We're finally here. That offseason seemed to go by quick and take forever all at the same time. But to see the boys out there on the field. Oh, what's that? Who do we see? Number 11? Oh. Carson Wentz? How's he look? Do doing the cha-cha slide? Cha-cha and real smooth on those drills? Looking good. To the point that we're all looking at each other and going, week one? I don't know. Week one. What do you think? Week one? I know one guy that thinks it's going to be week one. In fact, he's saying it on Twitter. Jimmy Kemsky from the Philly Voice will be calling in at 9.15 to talk about his training camp notes. We're also going to talk about the Brian Dawkins trip, right? Going to Canton. This whole squad's going to be out there Friday taking the full tour of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We are certainly going to get there and go over all the details of the trip. But Mr. Gail Saunders. The boys are back in town. Yes, sir, man. The Eagles are at the NovaCare Complex. Uh, They're hitting, baby. They're I mean, hitting. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I mean, it's the Eagles football. I mean, for us, this is how many days straight of uh, Eagles activities. I mean, we're doing the backstroke in Eagles football right now. I I'm excited. Uh, there's so many players that I'm trying to figure out, you know, where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's. It's going to be so hard for guys to make it this, on this roster because this roster's stacked. I, I, I hate to say it. There's going to be some quality guys that don't make this team, uh, but we look like we're ready to repeat. Mm -hmm. Oh, and absolutely. And, and, and what's nice is you're hearing about those veterans, right? Because the locker room chemistry was unlike anything that we ever saw with any other Philadelphia Eagles team, correct? Correct. But now you're introducing guys like Haloti Nada. You're introducing guys like Mike Wallace and Michael Bennett and seeing how they kind of vibe and gel mm -hmm. With the locker room, because you can't just introduce people and expect them to have that kind of chemistry. Right. One of the reasons why Nick Foles said he stayed in Philadelphia, yeah. because of the locker room chemistry, and quite frankly, you cannot find that just anywhere. Yeah, and, and Jim Schwartz actually it was saying about um, uh, Michael Bennett and w what a great guy he's been to the locker room. He said, "Look, you look at Michael Bennett, you look, him, look at him on the sideline in between periods, he is coaching up the younger guys. Yes. I mean... And he's like, we're so happy to have him. He's, he's been a, gr a great add to the, the locker room. So that's, that's, that's been amazing. Plus, you're hearing reports about guys like Darren Sproles mm. not only taking punt returns, but with the new rules in place for the kick returns, also going to see some kick return time. Hey. And then him on offense. He's looked like he's beasting. Jason Peters is out there. Not, even, not everybody is participating in contact tackle drills. But from all the reports, every injured player that's coming back, including Jordan Hicks, has looked good. Yeah. No injuries, no fights, everybody's getting along. Doug Peterson is cracking jokes about to his offensive coordinator or his quarterback's coach saying, hey, what do you think about Carson Wentz? You know it's a loose atmosphere, and that's what you like to see. Loose, not too loose, because everybody knows the new norm and what it takes in order to win a Super Bowl. And, in fact, a lot of the pieces that they brought in have a ring themselves. Yep. So they know exactly what it takes. I'm ex I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. On that scale of 1 to 10, I'm like at a 9.8. I'm at a 9.8 because it's finally back. We're finally ready to go. We're finally ready to get this thing done and defend the crown. Defend the crown. Well, we mean, are eight days away from the first preseason game, bro. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's kind of... Uh, you, you guys getting the chills yet? I got the chills. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I hate to go back, but I mean, 
seeing Brian Dawkins going, man, I've been thinking about it so much that I'm like, I can't believe we've been blessed with the Super Bowl. We've been blessed with a, uh, a amazing team. We've been blessed to see Brian Dawkins go in. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we're we're gonna be all together on a, a dope ass road trip, and then come back on Sunday, Sunday open practice. Oh man, come packed on. schedule. I mean, packed. That's a lot of football. When it gets hot out and August starts rolling around, man, the schedule starts getting tight. Yeah, uh, starts getting tight with everything, and that's how you know it's back, man. I'm at a nine point eight. Where are you at? Uh, probably eleven. You're at eleven. Like cranking I, I it to eleven. Smell the grass. You know that if you play football, you just know you just like put me in, coach. But I have no, <laughs> I have no team to play for. But this is my team right here, Fourth and John. Yeah, man. We, we're about to rock it out, man. We're about to rock it out. Yeah. Another great season. Another great season. Working the social media today is our boy Philly Mike. Philly, how are you today? Good guys, good. Uh, so excited for Cam, man. So excited. I just had a quick question for you guys, though. I'm not sure you guys heard about uh, the Chargers cornerback, the starter Trevor Williams. He got uh, injured at training camp today, Mm -hmm. and they're saying it's pretty much likely done for a season, torn ACL. Yeah. So there's been – I've been looking at Twitter a little bit before the show started, and there's a lot of people, like, taking ideas. Maybe we could trade – maybe Chargers would be interested in Darby in the trade situation. How would you guys feel about that this coming close to the season, trading Darby? There is no doubt in my mind that they are going to be looking at every scenario to improve the team. That's how he's Roseman's job, and he's always done a fantastic job of doing it. In fact, not only is the training camp season, it is fleece season too. So as these teams accrue these injuries and go into the season, kind of short-stacked at a position, they're going to be looking at individuals on other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they lost Jason Verrett, too. Yes, yes they two, did. That's two of their That's two of them. Their top caliber corners. Obviously they gotta look at the Eagles and like But you know, again, we're we're talking about defending the crown. I'm all about the repeat. I mean I'm know. I'm not sure I'm not sure you get rid of Darby. I'm not sure Darby's the guy that you trade. Because we're still trying to fi- <coughs> figure out and we're gonna ask Jimmy Kemsky about this, how exactly they're playing that nickel position. Because yeah. I've seen reports coming out of training camp that they they have two of them. You know, they got their heavy nickel where they might, you know, uh, they're going to bring Malcolm Jenkins down into the uh, down into the slot. They're going to let a guy like Trey Sullivan take the other safety position, yeah. and that's their big nickel or heavy nickel package, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen reports that Sidney Jones is, is, is taking some kids. reps at nickel. And it, 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 it's so weird, too, because... Back, and it was only, I, I say 18 years ago, like it wasn't that long ago, but it was. Back then, there was no, like, nickel. There was a nickel, but it was your third best corner. Right. You know what I mean? There was it wasn't no, a specified position. It wasn't a specified position with a specific set of yeah. skills. It was just your third best corner was your nickel corner. Mm-hmm. Look, at the, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent on the outside. Yep. Who was their third best corner? Al Harris. He was always the guy in the nickel. He was an outside corner. He went to Green Bay and had a pretty long, substantial career as an outside corner. He was just the third best on the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Hence the reason why he got uh, traded to Green Bay. But as the evolution of the game happened, early 2000s, we started becoming a more passing league because that was sexier for ratings. Not only that, they implemented the rules in place to make it more advantageous for offenses to pass the ball. Mm -hmm. You saw the evolution of the slot receiver. Where they got smaller, they got faster, they got shiftier. In response, his defenses started making smaller, faster, shiftier nickel corners as specialists. 
You know, you, you, you can look down, like, uh, the first name that comes to mind, not that he was real good at it, but Joselio Hansen, Brandon Boykin. I was going to say Brandon Boykin. Yeah, smaller guys who were able to handle that nickel position, at least in traffic, keep up with these smaller wide receivers. And now, like, the nickel position, pra- practically a starter. Yeah, practically a de- starter. Definitely is. I think, you know, Schwartz talked about them, you know, cross-training. So a lot of guys are getting worked in. Uh, so whether it be... Uh, Avante Maddox getting some second team reps. Uh, you know, Jalen Mills working in the slot as well. Um, I think in having like, oh man, chills, man. Look, we, it's been so long since we've had this kind of depth at the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. But then if you talk, talk about the matchups as they go along with the week, week in and week out, you can like move Sidney Jones on the outside and, and Mills on the inside, depending on what matchups you like and, and which matchups you can take advantage of. But I think Dar- the other thing is low-key Darby, I think he's going to have a, a better year than he had last year. Like, a lot of people were expecting more I th- coming off the injury. I think Darby is really going to shock some folks this season, I think. Uh, I do not want to trade him. Um, and then I'm you in your camp. And then you also have Russell Douglas, who's also performed well as well. And, and Mike, to answer your question, if out of all the corners, that would be the one that I would say, hey, San Diego – what do you give me? I agree. Because besides special teams, really, what is Rasul going to give you when you've got three top flight corner? You got Jalen, you got Darby, and you got Jones. And if it's not Jones, it's going to be Malcolm dropping down. Rasul, second, former second round pick, is going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah. And do you recoup another? He wouldn't go for a second round, but, but let's say a fourth. A fourth for a guy like, would you do it? I would. Uh, you got to weigh that against depth, though. I mean, we got depth, man. I mean, this is the deepest defensive backfield. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, not for a fourth, no. Not for a fourth? No. It is fleecing season. That would, that's, yeah. fleecing season. Give me a second. Second? A second. But what has he done, but what has he done on the I mean, field I mean, to really warrant that? I mean, he, he's, uh, not like we're going to get a second, but you, when you're talking about fleecing and they don't have any corners, give me something because you're desperate. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he, he showed, he showed some. He's flashed, but his like he's been. He's definitely been getting burned a little bit. I heard Mike Wallace burn him on a couple of plays. Uh, That's but, what he's there for. But he's got that potential, and he he is a ball hawking guy. Like he, you know, he'll go up and get to get the ball, get the interceptions. Um, but he's one of those guys. Not that I want to get rid of him, but he's one of those guys that they could target. Interesting question. Great question, Mike. Evan Bubblegum here. Yes. Barbecue Evan. Hollywood Hearn. Whatever nickname you want. A man of many names. A man of many <laughs> names working the soundboard. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Um, and to touch on what you were talking about earlier, there is nothing like uh, – let me tell you guys something about when I first started getting involved with 4th and John and meeting everybody down from Twitter, I was going down to these open practices by myself. I was meeting you guys down there. I was a, I was a fresh face. Not many people knew me. I don't have much of a Twitter presence, but I got down there, and, dude, there is nothing like being inside the state. Dude, I could go there by myself, just yes, hang sir. out inside the stadium. It's like home. I just uh, There's nothing like being able to be back in the stadium. I love it. And there's uh, going back on what you were saying about Howie Roseman and Fleeson season. Man, that season never stops for Howie, man. Like he just he, He's working all year round. He's always trying to find the best deal to, uh, to make our team better. And um, I – Honestly, our team can't really be – we're at the pinnacle right now. Our team is, is top tier. We're pro- we're, I mean, how are you going to argue that we're not the best team in the league? We're deep in almost every position aside from linebacker. 
and watching uh, watching these guys compete for positions. It's, it's just fun. It's fun to know that w- regardless of who we end up with, we're going to have a solid squad. And, and you talked about fleecing. I mean, uh, Jason Lacafora from CBS yes. actually mentioned about Howie Roseman. This is Howie Roseman's season right now. Oh, yeah. This is is the key area where mm-hmm. Howie likes to make trades. Um, so yeah. I mean, that was there's a reason why Howie wears the suit and the other guys wear the jerseys. Howie is the professional in the suit at fleecing when it comes to contracts, when it comes to getting players. Yeah, I mean, they traded Allen Barber to Denver for a conditional seventh round pick. They traded Jordan Matthews in a third round pick for he got Ronald Darby. Jay Ajayi in the middle of the season yeah. for a fourth rounder, I believe. Matt Tobin in the seventh round to Seattle for fifth round. They traded Terrence Brooks for Dexter McDougal. Um, so th- this is the season where how he makes those trades. Uh, he looks where. Do you think other owners like look at the caller ID when it's coming in? Like Jesus Christ, what's this guy? He's like right he's now? like <laughs> this freaking guy, this fucking Grim Reaper over here. Howie, don't answer it. <laughs> and you know things are going good at training camp when. I think I touched on it before when Doug Peterson is cracking jokes and, and asking his offensive coordinator, like... While you know, he's chowing I, down some, some water ice. Yeah, yeah. How's, uh, how's Carson looking? <laughs> That's why it's... And, and I think the beat writers, for as much as we anticipated sh- constant shoving microphones in face and Carson, and how does Carson look, and how about his knee, and what's his timetable, I think a lot of these beat writers are looking at each other like... The, the, the answer's already in front of you. Yeah. And we talked time and time again about checkpoints in Carson's rehabilitation. If this doesn't say ahead of schedule oh. with two tears in his knee, I don't know what the what, what, what is. Mm-hmm. He looks fantastic he looks, out you there. See, you see the video that was posted, uh, the, the quick feet pocket drill he was yeah. doing? Yeah. Cha-cha real smooth, though. Dude. Yeah, st- I mean, he looks good. That knee was looking pretty stable in that video, man. Like, I, I know he's got the brace on, but, dude, he is well ahead of schedule from it, what it seems. And Doug Peterson talked about, you know, they ha- their use of technology. They, they track the players and, and see where they're at. Um, basically, last year, they have all the numbers of where Carson Wentz was performing at his peak. Uh, so now they can look at him. What kind of measurables are we talking? They like, can, how fast he, like his, his sprint speed? Everything. Is, they got yeah. everything they got the numbers. The analy- analytics are crazy these yeah, days. So yeah, they can yeah. they can see where they can compare Carson to now from here and then last year. And that's why you see him. They're, they're resting him. I mean, that's good. There's contact going on right now. Mm-hmm. You don't want anybody around those legs. No. And that's no. what – that's like My man wears red for a reason. Put him I, on the sidelines. <laughs> I've, I've actually seen that technology um, when, uh, when when Chip was involved, uh, really, yeah, the, it it, w- it was kind of like presented to some folks. Okay, and it's actually a uh, a two part system. One uh, checks all the kind of like the vital signs. Okay, you know, like it, something if that the, he wears. Yeah, it's inside the shoulder pads. Okay, so and every person has their own monitor that gets clipped in there. Mm-hmm. So, like in other words, they're measuring how hot you get. Mm-hmm. All right, like all the vital signs yeah. and and heart rate and stuff like that. But then they also have a GPS tracker installed into the shoulder pads, which literally down to inches measures not only your position on the field, how many steps, how many acceleration as well and burst. Okay. So let's say Carson doesn't have that type of acceleration Mm -hmm. moving out of the pocket. They can measure that up through different data points from comparing last year to this year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and measure that. See if he's that. lost some of his quickness or not. 
And that's and that's you know that's observations. While all the beat writers are looking at observations, what's on the field? The Philadelphia Eagles analytically are looking at observations based upon the data. But to go to somebody who's going to give us our his observations on the field as training camp gets in full throttle from the Philly Voice, Mr. Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, you are on the line with Fourth and John. Thank you so much for calling in, my friend. Jimmy. Yeah, no problem. What's going on, guys? What's going hey, on? What's up, brother? How you doing? Nothing much, my friend. So, can you hear me? Oh, absolutely. Can you hear us? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a- a- outstanding. So, as as we ask you these questions, we're just going to address the elephant in the room and what every other beat writer has been at, pounding Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman and all the offensive stat, sna- uh, staff and the players about. Carson Wentz looks good. Does he not, my friend? Yeah, I mean... Um, Saturday was the day that he really kind of, I'm sorry, Saturday. Yeah. Saturday was the day that, you know, he really kind of, uh, opened my eyes <laughs> was, uh, it was the first day that they were in pads and, you know, they did a little bit of hitting. They didn't tackle to the ground like they did today, mm-hmm. but he made like four different plays on Saturday where it was just like, holy crap. I mean, all throughout OTAs and minicamp, you could see progression, in terms of uh, his ability to move around on that leg, uh, initially, like he was kind of uh, gingerly, uh, you know, planning with his left foot when he threw, and then that improved slowly, and you could see his improvement in you know, little agility d- drills that they do in individual sessions, and then you could see that improve as they went along, and then in the first day of training camp, you could see that he was, you know, for, you know, way beyond what he was in OTA to minicamp, but then on Saturday there was one play in particular that really stood out. He was, uh, he was in the pocket and somebody got pressure from the right side, I believe. And he did kind of like a, like a backward Tony Romo kind of spin. And mm-hmm. he spun out of the pocket and he ran to his left. And Chris Long was in pursuit from the other side. And uh, he basically outran Chris Long and then fired on the run. And it just looked like Carson Wentz of last year. It just looked like what he was last year. Uh, and then somebody even asked Peterson uh, during uh, his press conference, I think on Sunday, you know, did, would do you think like what do you think he looks like? And Doug Peterson said, I, I think it was it was a kind of leading question, like where they, they said, can you tell the difference in him this year and last year? And uh, can you like would you if you were just to look at him ha- having you know no knowledge that he got injured, would you be able to tell that he was injured? Doug said no. I think the only thing that you could really, um, you know, kind of see on him that would indicate that he's injured is he's wearing a knee brace. So, like, I would be shocked at this point if he didn't start week one. Like, I think it's not even a debate anymore at this point. He's going to start week one. Th- that was going to be my – so far as to say people that, – That was going to yeah. be my follow-up question because, man, you just put it out there on Twitter and people were going wild on it and you were the only one to really do it and, and put your foot down and you said, this guy is starting – Week one, and then you said Bible after, so you're like, you know, it's definitely gonna happen. <laughs> when when Kempsky says something, it is Bible. <laughs> so d- yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm confident. I I don't I don't take it back at all. They have another 38 days, uh, 30, 37 or 38 days until you know their week one matchup against the Falcons. So they still have a while to go for him to you know kind of heal even more. And you know what? I, I I've been getting. I said this on the on uh, Cataldi's show, 
a couple days ago, and apparently Eskin was killed. <laughs> Said that the possibility. I think that he'll even uh, play in one of the preseason in one of the preseason oh, games. Oh. Like, I think I think I think it's possible that he'll play. Wow. In week three of the preseason, and by that I mean like they're not gonna they're not, not gonna put ham. him out there and make him take seven step drops and you know, expose him to, to some kind of hit. I think the if if they do play him in the preseason game, if he is really ready and he's cleared by doctors, you know, I don't think it's out of the question that they'll put him in there and, you know, give him some quick hitters to throw and have him hand the ball off and at least just kind of get to see the game speed before he actually plays in the regular season. I don't think that's totally out of the question that they would do that. Of course, you want to do everything you can to keep out of harm's way if you do that. But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all if he played – you know, like a series or two or a quarter or something like that in one of the preseason games. And, of course, that would be week three if they did it. That is both amazing and terrifying all at the same time. And whether or not <laughs> right. that whether or not they'll play him is, of course, up to the team. But I can't have help but have images in my head. Mm-hmm. Remember when Sam Bradford was coming off an injury? And, and and who was it on the Ravens that came up and rolled him up? I don't even uh, think Terrell I'm, Suggs. Terrell Suggs. Yeah. I don't even think Terrell I'm, Suggs. Oh yeah. I I, I, I just dirty. have images of that just dancing in my head. Now here's a question: If if it was you know not Howie Roseman, but it was Howie Kemsky, would you play this guy in the preseason, or would you kind of shelf him for Week One? They have knowledge that I don't have, so. They get to speak with the doctors, and I don't, so they're an advantage there. But if the doctors say he's good to go, yeah, I'm playing them. I mean, they're coming off a Super Bowl win. They are in a position to win it all. So if he gives me the best chance of winning the Super Bowl and you know putting him in like like he did last, I mean, they they, didn't, they don't go to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, if he doesn't play last year. Like they, the record that they accumulated. Got them the number one seed, which you know if they don't have that. Do they make it to the Super Bowl? Who knows? I agree with you. So, you know, I, I, if, if, if the doctors, you know, they clear him, and you know, maybe there was a little concern that he can, he can kind of damage his, you know, he can sustain an injury to his other leg because a lot of times that'll happen where players favor their their good leg and then they end up injuring that one, like Jordan Hicks last year. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he was dealing with I think it was a foot injury. Uh, on you know one of his legs last year, and he wound up tearing his Achilles because he was favoring the other leg so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that, that was, that's documented. That, that 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 happens all the time where players favor the other the other leg or whatever, mm-hmm. and they wind up. It's not a concern of mine with what's going forward, but you know if the doctor's clear and they say he's good to go, he's wearing the brace. The brace is designed obviously to kind of protect players from from moving in such a way that where they're going to tear. You know, they're doing a CL again. I, I go ahead, you know, go ahead and do it. <laughs> nice. I, now, uh, Kepsky, a lot of be, a lot of people have been talking about. I'm getting like little mixed reviews on Pumphrey. Are we seeing anything, any light out of the <laughs> tunnel for a Pumphrey type breakout in camp? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shut down. <laughs> the short answer is no. I mean. Does wow. he look better than he did last camp? No question. But that's about as low a bar as, as you can do. <laughs> no. Yikes. Wow. Yikes. I, I mean, his season, his season last year was so bad that I think anything this season will look, you know, 
fantastic, I guess, compared to last season. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's he looks a little bigger than he than he did last year, and they, thicker, like, not at all. The first uh, practice today with with tackling, and I like the way he ran. I mean, he, you know, he, he ran aggressively, didn't shy away from contact or anything like that. Uh, he caught the ball well enough. There was one play at big hole, and he ran through the hole. He ran through an arm tackle on the play. They had a one-on-one situation with the safety. It was like one of the other guys. I think it was Ryan Neal. And that's a that's a play where you know you want him to beat that safety and then take it to the house. And he didn't. Like so, the safety made the play, and it goes for a gain of you know eight, nine, ten yards, something like that. And it's nice enough run. And you know I don't want to criticize him for. You want, know, so you totally want to see more? Run. You want to see some wiggle? But, yeah, I want to see him separate from the other. You know, three running backs that he's competing with for that number four running back job, uh, prestigious as it may be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to see him kind of separate guys. And I, I, don't, I don't think he's done that yet. I mean, he's been fine, but I don't think he's really done anything to separate himself from those other guys. I do think that he's kind of, uh, you know, the the guy to beat for that job just because he was a fourth-round pick last year and they traded up for him and he's stuck with the team on IR all year. Sure, you, you, you got you got to give him out to get that job. Yeah, you got you got to give him like but, every but, opportunity. I agree, but uh, I mean he's fine. Like he he's 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 done well enough. But I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go out of my way to praise him at this point. All right, well, so we'll, kind of keeping along that theme about asking about players, I want to do a little word, or better yet, a player. Player word association on what you think about a couple of different guys that I have listed out here. One of them you wrote an article on and and kind of have been raving about, Matt Pryor, uh, six-round pick, big boy. You seem to really like this guy. Yeah, he's basically the next Larry Allen. I'm kidding. kidding. Uh, No, but he's good. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's been very good in camp so far. He's like six seven three thirty ish, and uh, you know he's not all that. I mean, you look at uh, you know a guy like um, Jordan Melata, who is just an enormous human being. Pryor is just as big as that guy. Wow! And the difference is he's played football, so <laughs> yeah. he knows what he's doing out there, and uh, he's looked tremendous in one on one drills specifically. And uh, like there was one play where. And Michael Bennett was rushing against him. You know, this is obviously a guy who's been in the league for 10 years. Got Bennett a little bit off balance and then just threw him to the ground. And it was like, that's, that's like an eye-opening moment in camp where you just go, wow. He, he just he just punked a 10-year veteran that, you know, had a really good career. And then he's been pancaking guys in those drills. I think he's just been really soft. They've done the team drills. She gotten a few first-team reps. Uh, Brandon nice. Brooks missed a practice, and then he came out of practice early in another practice and he chance Warmack has gotten some reps reps at the first team offense and so has Pryor. So he's turned heads in terms of, you know, what the coaching staff has seen out of him as well. Like Jeff Stalin has raved about him in the past. Uh, I think Doug Peterson had had good word uh, you know, had said some nice things about him as well. So he's a guy that, you know, I think is at this point either a lock or as close to it as you can get to, to making the team. They only have five draft picks obviously so in it's not going to be that hard for, for, for a six-round pick to make the you know, Obviously, the team is very deep. But I, I think he's a, a legitimate player. And, you know, he may be a guy that can make 
a guy like Chance Warmack, expendable, you know, big cut from Warmack, they can save a little bit of money. He can maybe make Isaac Sayamalo a little bit expendable in that they can maybe find a trade partner for, for a guy like him. But I think he's a legitimate player and, and can maybe even be, you know, uh, a capable backup this year, but has some starting potential in the future. I'm going to put a star by his name. That is positive. I mean, a lot of other people talk about that Will position. I mean, I know it's only, you know, that player that's going to be there. It's going to be on the field maybe 30% of the time. You know, <laughs> right. you know, Kamu Gruzier Hill, is is he a guy that could actually sneak in into that position? Well, it's 30% of the time or <laughs> significantly more if Hicks or Bradham goes down. Like yeah. Kendrick, you know, Kendrick's obviously wound up playing a lot more than, than we anticipated before the season we got last year. So, uh, I agree. It's a less important position. The, the you know, select corners are going to play a lot more. Their base is essentially nickel. Yeah. And their fourth, you know, their base 4-3 is really more like kind of a sub-package. But, yeah, it's, it's Camus and it's Nate Gary and it's Corey Nelson competing for that job. And they've all done some decent things. They're all very similar players in that they're undersized linebackers. And the biggest strength of all three of those guys is their ability and coverage. Uh, Gary and Camus were both – uh, safeties in college. Camus actually kind of disputes that a little bit. He says he was more of like a hybrid uh, <laughs> safety slash linebacker. And Nelson was, uh, I think, you know, grain of salt here. I'm not a, the biggest pro football focus fan, but they had uh, Corey Nelson as the second or second or third best linebacker in coverage in the NFL in his last full season, which was 2016. He was actually Jordan Hicks was number one. Uh, just FYI, so, like he, he does have uh, some success at least in their eyes, in terms of coverage. I haven't watched his tape or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he and Camus and, and Nate Gary all bring that coverage ability. Schwartz actually had some really nice things to say about Gary today and that he's learned all three linebacker spots, which didn't sound like much, but Schwartz kind of said that that'll stretch you a little thin mentally is the way he put it, I think. So, you know, he's a guy that's impressed Schwartz, at least from the mental aspect. I think he's had a decent camp so far. To be any one of those three guys, I think all three of them are going to make the team because they're all contributors also on special teams. Yes. So kind of see how that pans out. But you, you specifically meant, uh, asked about Camus. I've actually watched him in the Week 17 game against the Cowboys, the meaningless game where a lot of guys who don't normally get to play got to play in that game. And he played almost the full game. And I, I was encouraged by a lot of things that, that I saw out of him. He had no trouble at all covering Jason Witten. I thought he showed some things in the run game. I thought he showed some things here and there as a blitzer. So he's a guy that has a lot of athletic ability. And again, like I mentioned, like I keep mentioning over and over again, his, his ability is in coverage. And at that will spot, I think that's, you know, the, the primary thing that Jim Schwartz looks for in that, in that linebacker spot. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing, man? Uh, so I was just wondering, we already know that our safety position is pretty deep with uh, Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins, but we know that the linebacker is pretty thin. So if one of those guys at linebacker goes down and Malcolm Jenkins needs to step down into the box, what do you think of Trey Sullivan as a safety? Yeah, uh, he's had a good camp. And the thing about Trey Sullivan last year was he got cut at 53 man, you know, the final 53 man cut, and um, they didn't keep him on the practice squad. They didn't add him back to the practice squad until like week eight or nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think some people that really follow the team closely see that and they go, well, 
he didn't even stick on the practice squad last year. Yeah. That doesn't say much for him, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. that's not what happened. So he broke his ankle uh, at, at the end of camp last year, and that's why, A, he didn't make the team. I don't know if he would have made the team anyway, but right. he didn't make the team, obviously, as a result of that. Has he impressed at all? He's not going to stick on the practice because he can't practice. I'm sorry? Has he impressed at all? Yeah, he's had a really good camp so far. Uh, but So anyway, last year he couldn't, he couldn't uh, practice because he had a broken ankle, and then uh, they weren't going to obviously use any of you know one of their two injured reserve designation to return things for him last year either because he's a minor player. But right. as soon as he was ready to come back, as soon as his, his ankle was healed, they brought him right back to the practice squad immediately. He was with the, the team for the entire of the year. So he's a guy that has familiarity, that has familiarity with the system. He played for it. He played in it for a year, I'll be in the practice squad. And then this year, I think he's shown a lot of athleticism. And that guy can hit. I mean, yeah, everyone remembers the hit that he had on, on that Packers wide receiver last year. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, had two of them on two of the, on two different wide receivers. Left. There's one play in Jets that he had. Well, it was, a, it was a, I think they had a like a wide receiver kind of lead blocking. And he just lit that dude up. Like nice. it, was, it was almost kind of like it, there's a gif of it somewhere. You just watch that over and yeah. over again. I love hard hit. Four bastards trying to go in and block him. Just, just he just got absolutely destroyed. But he's had a really strong hand. He's been better in coverage than I would have anticipated. And he is a guy that I would say is about as close to lock as a lock to make the team as you can get as well. Oh, okay. Very nice. The last player we'll ask you about before we let you get on out of here is our first pick of the 2018 draft, and that is when Dallas Goddard, everybody's really, really amped up about, you know, this kid and what he can do in two tight end sets. I know he's having a little bit of trouble blocking on the line. That's a a lot that he's got to learn as a rookie, but uh, how does he look so far in camp? Today was the first day where he was like, yeah, that wasn't that great. Okay. <laughs> blocking on that. Derek Barton kind of blew right by him on one play and blew up a run play. But besides, other than that, I mean, he's been he's had a really, really – first of all, he had a really good spring uh, in OTAs and minicamp, and then all through the first, you know, four or five days of camp. All all he does really is he gets open and he makes catches. So, like – Nice. He's, he, and the other thing, there, there have been more than, like, a dozen occasions – where either he or Ertz will make a play, and you can't you can't tell them apart because they both kind of wear their jerseys a little high. Mm-hmm. Their jerseys look like they're eighty eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. The, and and their body types are so are are, are you know they're they're pretty close, and they both move kind of the same way. They both kind of the ball the same way. Nobody was comp to their comparison. A lot of people compared him to Zach Ertz, and. You know, I, I thought, yeah, okay, all right, I can kind of see that, but seeing it up close. Has, has Dallas Goddard been any more physical than Zach Ertz? Where, where do they rank uh, versus each other as far as physicality? There, Jimmy. We, we lose him? Jimmy. 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 Oh, we might have lost Jimmy. We might have lost Jimmy. I think Jimmy has sprint. <laughs> That's all right. We 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 appreciate Jimmy Kemsky calling in. He is awesome. Please yes. visit all of his articles on phillyvoice.com. You will be entertained. Uh, you will be not only be entertained, but you will be informed as well because that guy puts out some incredible content. And an artist. one of the one of the favorites of really Eagles Twitter because dude keeps it real. Yeah, he does. Tells it how it is. Tells it how it is. You know, is straightforward. 
the training camp reporting is on point, and of course, he is hilarious in everything that he does on Twitter. And I and I got a little Kemp C story. I oh. mean, we we were at we were we cold as hell. Oh yeah, Trox, I know it's me, going. Mike. We're there's thousands and thousands of people. We can't go anywhere. We are stuck. I'm up in the front, freezing my ass off in a dog suit. Is this the parade? I have nothing to eat, nothing to drink. Because if you drink something, you might, you know, have to go. Kemsky, <laughs> like an angel, comes out of nowhere. Really? And he's like, "Hey, what's up, Gail?" And, and you know, he's like, "You guys, uh, what?" And there was like this this Dunkin' Donuts truck that was in uh, the way of the, parade, of, the, of the stage on the parade. Yeah, you know, right on the left side. And here comes Kemsky with donuts and coffee. Wow. He oh, hooked us savior, up. Man. He oh, hooked us up. Jimmy Kemsky is the man. And I was like, you know what? That dude is real. Yeah. That dude is real. Kemsky. Well, well you know, we, uh, we, we, we left him, unfortunately, with, with the Dallas talk. Dallas, I, I keep calling him Goder. Goder. Yeah, Goder. Goder. Tomato. Tomato. We'll figure it out soon but, 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 uh, but another Dallas was making headlines in oh, the news. Jerry. Uh, big, big Jerry. Um. Now, I know we had kind of the after-school special, 4th and John, when, you know, the Eagles did not visit President Trump or were rather uninvited mm-hmm. to go visit Pres- yeah. President Trump. And it was like a 90s sitcom because mostly it's family entertainment and the laugh tracks and everything. And then all of a sudden, Jessie from Saved by the Bell, shit, she's on speed pills right now, and she's so excited. She just can't hide it, but she's scared too. So we had that very serious 4th and John. And then all of a sudden, Big Jerry's got to open his mouth now and stir the whole pot up again. I'm gonna go right to you, Gail. How how exactly did you feel about uh, about Jura? Uh, I mean, the old man can't. You know, he keeps getting in his own way. Like I, I like I really applaud every mistake he makes, and I clap in uh, Jason Garrett form. You know, I keep clapping. It's you know, as long as he has Garrett around, you know, I'm like, he he just he just can't keep you know keep everything under yeah. under control like. Did you have to bring it up again? Yeah. Like, could you just chill? Like, imagine being a Dallas Cowboy player and having to go to work and have to look at Jerry Jones knowing that, you know, you know he, he's probably not on the side of where I'd like to be right now on these social issues. But, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough look. I, th- I, think, I think what's so hard to understand is the fact that Jerry Jones, like, he wants to be so stern on some issues, like, like – um, the national anthem and stuff like that, but with all of the criminal past that his own team has, and he just refuses to make a statement on any of that. But as soon as it's a black and white issue, he is just putting He's, his foot down. You know, beat 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 your uh, girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, it you don't know, matter. Do a lot of drugs, get suspended, hit hey, your mom. But, hey, okay. but if you want to talk about social issues, hey, that's where I draw the line. That's pal. where he draws the line, right there. That's where I draw the line, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think. Uh, you know, I, 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 if I was a Cowboy I think fan, he hears us talking about him. I mean, we do, we might have a caller on the line. Oh wow! Can you now get out of well, here? What what get are the what are the here. chances that Jerry Jones down ca- from Jerry's world calls the Fourth and John show? I must something must have been buzzing his head. Yeah, he must he must have been hearing us. Jerry, you're right, on the you line. How you here. doing? Hey, pal, what's I, going I just, on? I was listening in the, 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 the fourth and John, and I heard you all talking about me. I'm Jerry Jones, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to call and defend myself because I don't like the way you guys are talking about my Dallas Cowboys here, okay? Because I'm trying to run a goddamn business down here in Dallas, all right? Well, well, Jerry, I like my business. You know, my, 
Well, Jerry, I mean, it, it sounds like you're running more of a plantation than you are a <laughs> franchise, and I think we kind of see it. Now, right? hey, 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 I, I want you all to settle down here, okay, because it is true. Big Jerry down here in Dallas, you know, he likes his target demographic just like he likes his home dirt. <laughs> white. He likes them white. There's no question about it, right? And yes, you I don't did. Care, all right, on my, on my roster. If we've got woman beaters, criminals, drug addicts, all right, you can play for the Dallas Cowboys. But heaven forbid you take that knee on there, you better have them toes to the line on, on, on when they're singing that national anthem right there. Otherwise, you are not playing for the Dallas Cowboys. I will take anybody, anytime, anywhere. But if you go ahead and take a knee, you are off this goddamn team. That's right. I'm Jerry Jones. Well, Jerry Jones, I mean, you know, it's hard to take your word and, and- – you know, your morals seem a little bit twisted. I'm not going to lie. I mean, whether it's you cheating on your wife with some innocent young women on the side, uh, you know, getting caught hey, in the hey, thirst hey, traps. <laughs> I mean, really. Now, li- li- listen, all right, I- I- I'll make this admission right here, right now. Right, anytime I want to see someone taking a knee on at AT and T Stadium. All right, I don't want to see any of my players doing it. Goddamn it, I don't want to see any of my players taking a knee. But if somebody's going to take a knee, it's going to be one of those twenty-year-old cruisies that I paid to come up to the owner's box, and they can take a knee and deflate my balls like my name is Tom Brady. Wow, I mean, you're really going. He wasn't ready. I mean, I think you should be suspended. I know Zeke got suspended. I think you should be suspended, bro. Absolutely, I'm like I'm a goddamn businessman. All right. So when these 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 protests, these athletes are taking me, it's hurting my bottom line. Yeah. I am a businessman. I'm Jerry Jones, goddammit. I'm, mean, ju- I'm just like my friend Papa John. I'm, uh, I'm a businessman just like Papa John. I don't know about no businessman. I, I bet you didn't even What did you say, Sith Lord, bro? I don't bro? like a businessman. <laughs> businessman. I absolutely am a businessman. I'm running a business right here. And I, in fact, I bet you didn't even know this. All right? Me and Papa John are so close that <laughs> the better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's slogan, I came up with that. That was my idea. It was a hell of a lot better than his first idea, which is we might be, we might burn a cross, but we won't burn your crust, Papa John's. I mean, that, that tagline just didn't work at all, and I'm the one that suggested better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. I'm Jerry Jones. <laughs> Uh, I think you need sensitivity training, uh, Jerry. I think it's uh, you know, uh, Jerry. I think you're going to feel the wrath of the Me Too movement sometimes. <laughs> you might want to sing Kumbaya in your life. No, room. I don't need no sensitivity training. God damn it! I mean, I can stand up there and keep my hat on for the goddamn national anthem. I can do whatever I want because I'm Jerry Jones. I mean, President Trump. Now that he's in office, I can say and do whatever I want and tell my employees to do whatever they want. And if President Trump all about jobs, jobs, jobs. You know who ain't got a job? Says Brian. Says Brian ain't got no job. He ain't got. And and and, and furthermore, I don't appreciate Des Bryant calling my middle linebacker Sean Lee snake. I mean, he ain't, he ain't no damn snake. I wish he was a snake because if he was a snake, he wouldn't have any goddamn legs. And if he didn't have any goddamn legs, that would mean break that he wouldn't be getting busted up on a, and injured all the damn time. I wouldn't have to see that pussy on the sidelines wearing street clothes all the goddamn time. That's right. I'm Jerry Jones. That's right, I'm Jerry. Uh, this guy, Jerry, man, he, he can go on and on. I mean, well, are you on something? <laughs> we got we got Jerry Jones calling the Fourth and John show, <laughs> coked up. I mean, what are the chances? Listen, all 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 I all I want to say is that it's my is that it's my goddamn team. I'll run it the way I I please, and then if any Dallas Cowboys players take a knee, they're off the team. That's all I got to say, and I'm Jerry Jones.
Buy another one, you rich motherfucker. <laughs> well, we, we got to say bye to Jerry. I mean, I, you know, I, we're, are we thankful that he called? I mean, yeah, I mean, um, at least he's listening. He he's really stuck he up. I wouldn't say we're thankful, but uh, we, 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 we're, we're thankful for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we are thankful that analytics. you are exposing yourself to uh, as to the man that you really are. And we're thankful you listened to an Eagles podcast when Te- you own Texas the Cowboys. Texas is a different place, man. Texas is a different place. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, uh, what I miss? <sighs> You were yeah, dude. You were in the bathroom. You would not believe yeah. who we just got off the line with. Who? I'm Jared Jones. Get them. <laughs> Jerry called. He was coked up. He was yeah. talking about the plantation. He wanted his balls deflated. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that Jerry Jones guy. What a what 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 a character. What a, what a poor person. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a poor. <laughs> his poor moral individual. compass is just all messed up. <laughs> He's morally broke. He's morally broke. Uh, speaking about being broke, we're probably going to be broke after our Canton trip. We're getting ready for this thing. Thursday yeah, night, we're going out there. And, of course, we've been talking about it uh, for the last couple months, really. And that is on Friday, we're going to be taking a full tour of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, I tweeted out where you can get tickets because keep in mind, boys and girls, the tickets for the Hall of Fame weekend, Evan, <laughs> are, are not the same uh, as regular tickets, Evan. So if you purchase regular tickets, Evan, you will surprise, not surprise, <laughs> you will not be able to get in with your own showmate. So I posted a link on my Twitter page. It's specifically for Hall of Fame weekend. We are taking a full tour of the Hall of Fame, and you've already seen all the cool exhibits that they're putting out there, right? You've seen the Philly special, the ball case. got put in, and all the uh, the ball. Uh, the visor. The visor. I Doug- believe, if I'm not mistaken, Nikki Six also has some other material in the uh, Hall of Fame, correct? Yeah, I, I could have sworn he maybe had some material there when he threw, uh, what was it, seven, seven touchdowns? Seven, seven, seven quarters, touchdowns? Seven Put the team sure. on his back. <laughs> Put the team on his back, though. So it's not the only time that you will see Nick Foles there. And, of course, there's no doubt in my mind that they will have a giant Brian Dawkins exhibit uh. there as well. So we encourage everybody to go ahead. Get their tickets. Uh, again, check my Twitter feed. Make sure that there's specific tickets. The right tickets. Charlie. Evan. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> join, join us on Friday. On Saturday at 2.30, we'll be joining the Green Legion, which, by the way, if you're one of those last-minute people, you, uh, need, yeah, yeah. you need a ticket, you need a package, you need travel, you need a bus out there, you want to drink a lot of booze, may I suggest the fine folks over at the Green Legion who will be hosting the tailgate that we will be at prior to the induction ceremony. Lots of beer. I mean, if you want to look drunk in the face. Yeah, we're doing it the Philly way. have a good time with Eagle fans from all over the country. It would be a great place to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> throw up on the ground. Just leave my mark <laughs> right in Canton. Have a good old time. Brimmer has a puke. He's going to be there, too. Oh, so he'll fit right in. They got, they got a lot of food there, too. Pretty bad. They got a l- lot of good food. A lot of food, and rumor has it, according to uh, Little Birdie and DMs, that there's going to be uh, maybe as few as one, but as many as three different Eagles alumni hey. from said Brian hey. Dawkins Ooh. era. So uh, you might want to check them out and get those packages. You can find them at GreenLegion.com. Speaking of Brian Dawkins, right? Interesting article came out today. Yeah. Just an yeah. absolute interesting article that hit a lot of us home yeah. uh, for a lot of different reasons. And probably the, the reason that nobody has really thought about is as beloved as Brian Dawkins is and as revered as he is by this fan base, when it comes down to it, we know little to nothing about this guy. I mean, I mean think about it. Right now... Uh, ESPN has a Brian Dawkins of football life in the works. 
I think Rube just got done doing his inter- interview section. That's how I found out about it. And I can't wait to watch this thing. Yeah. Because if you think about Brian Dawkins, you think about a, you know, an undersized safety out of Clemson by way of Florida. Uh, you know he's got a son that plays football at yeah, Clemson. Yep. You know he lives in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Other than that, honestly, boys and girls, what do we know about the guy? Yeah, I, I mean, just seeing that article in... I'm just like, there are so many layers to Brian Dawkins. Yeah. I mean, and for us, I mean, you look at Brian Dawkins, you, he's like one of your superheroes. That's what, that's and what you, he's Superman. And you think, you know, the kryptonite, which could be depression. You know, hearing that he was dealing with that, I was just like, wow. You know, like, and, and suicide, you know, having those suicidal thoughts, I'm like, that's Brian Dawkins. Uh, uh, so I, I really feel like, you know, something I took away from that article is, his his wife, his yes. wife is w- one of the biggest con- constant in his life. Giant pillar in his life, yeah. Who's really held him down and really made him the man that he is today. And, and you know, it's crazy. Dude. That's that's why this whole. F- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just like Gail. Pretty much almost touched on my point is that like we all when I think back about about Brian Dawkins, it's like we don't even really think about it. I think about him as like Wolverine with the with the claws coming out and the. Like a, like a superhero, but like when you hear the story, you realize this dude's a human being, and yes. like you know he's he's going through the same sort of things that every everyday people deal with, and to think that he, and you know you everybody like you get chills anytime you hear Brian Dawkins speak, right? Mm. The dude is just raw emotion, and so like as much as it doesn't like you see how much of an emotional guy he is. And it's not like you understand his depression, but you understand that this guy is just he's he's a he's a ball of emotion. Mm-hmm. And and like where I am so excited that not only to see that, but to to sit there and hear his speech in person, because I guarantee yeah. every single Eagles fan sitting in those seats is gonna be moved. Yeah, what I mean, he has to say. Moved and in tears. I mean it's an honor to like, you know I've never been to Ohio Ohio. I never wanted to. I'm like, what? What a cornfield. Like, like, no, 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 offense, no offense to all the fine I folks mean, listening in Ohio. I mean, I'm, I'm right outside of NYC. You know, like, like, but I am traveling just to celebrate a man who has meant so much to me and yeah. uh, meant so much to you guys in this room. Just for him, just to see, just to see his face on the stage and the emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm gonna fucking tear up. I know it. Oh, but, no but, but 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 I'm anxious to see like who he thanks, yeah, and what he says, because honestly, I didn't even know his wife's name. I didn't know what she looked like. I didn't know how many kids he had. I didn't know his struggles early on. And and in this social media age, w- where you are so connected to the players, and you see so many Instagram stories and. You know, Darby making fun of Malcolm Jenkins and and oh, and uh, Mills yeah, today good and stuff. and 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 you see all that camaraderie. The one thing that struck me about that article, besides I didn't know that that Frank guy or or, or that coach was like a surrogate father yeah, to uh, him, Emmett Thomas. Em, em, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah em, Emmett Thomas, was that wow? I know so little about this man, yeah. yet we love him so much as a fan base. I mean, that was his high school sweetheart, his his wife, um, and then the other thing that was funny to me like he his wife was always telling him about being flexible like you should do yoga you should do this and that and, and she went when she got down to the stadium they had like a co- uh uh a wife's dinner 
um, with yeah, women's night. Sort yeah, of thing. Yep. with with Coach. Uh, well, I mean, with the uh, Lurie, and he's like, she's like, you know what? You should make these guys stretch more. Make we want more flexibility, because because yeah. Brian's stiff. <laughs> she she knew she yeah. knew she was uh, she was ahead of her time, man. And and I tweeted it out. There's a lot of little words of wisdom, little nuggets that I use off the air. Yeah, you know that that were handed down to me uh, by my father and my grandfather. And one of the things when I was reading that really struck me because it's it it's about finding a woman not only who believes in the person that you are but that the person that you want to be they believe in the person that you want to be and do everything in their power to help you become that person and clearly yeah this woman has been a rock yeah behind she one could have saved his life honestly could have saved his life cuz as emotional as he is as you were stating Evan Imagine that unhinged. Yeah. Imagine By that himself. drinking, yeah. using yeah. alcohol as a crutch, as he was quoted as saying in that article. And he like ran through a door and put his head through a door. Yeah. Like, and she, she was like, she was the one that, you know, called the coach. Mm-hmm. And she was like, look, you got to come down here and you got to stop this. You got to help us. Uh, and they, they got him some help. Uh, I mean, uh, that was one of the major things he reached out for help and yeah. that changed you know put him on the right path mm-hmm. and the right right path he he started diving headfirst into uh into his religion into his beliefs i gotta try this god thing out <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe that's <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the right course maybe 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 i should try some jesus maybe in my you life. should <laughs> bat- maybe you should baptize your own self maybe, maybe i should because you've got brian dawkins who could have went down a dark path but rather became a hall of fame safety with the philadelphia eagles and helped that organization win that first ring mm-hmm. albeit in a front office uh role you got the ginger jesus who's like the wolverine and the fact that he's incredibly he, the healing power are just off the charts. He's way ahead of schedule after two knee tears. You got Nick Foles, right? About to retire, prays a little bit, comes back, wins a Super Bowl MVP in the first uh, Super Bowl in franchise history. And I'm sitting here on Twitter making football and dick jokes. I got to try out some of this Jesus. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the path I should go. That's what we're missing in this podcast. <laughs> we're gonna have the spiritual hour with Fourth and John. Your moment of spirituality with Fourth and John. <laughs> Brian Dawkins running his head through a wall. On Fuck the it. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest hitting safety. <laughs> you know what? If they if they could make a whole bunch of money if they just you know if you they. Like drew his blood, and you can like get a little, little shot of uh, a little sample. sample. We got Dawkins' blood for sale. <laughs> like I would buy like a whole pint and just put it on the uh, in the man. I'm gonna get real weird with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and, uh, and Brian Dawkins is living evidence <laughs> of the contradiction that is the the stereotype of the Philadelphia sports fan. Because the Philadelphia sports fan is stereotyped as an individual that is negative, never going to be happy despite the outcome, is always going to bitch and complain, always going to boo their players, and is never satisfied. Mm. That's, that's the stereotype of a Philadelphia sports fan. Yet Brian Dawkins embodied everything that we could have ever asked for in a Philadelphia Eagle. A guy who kept his nose clean off the field, a leader off the field, but gave every ounce of everything that he had on the field Played through injury, didn't bitch and cry when and times he, were tough. And he expected his teammates to perform. He he was the guy yes. that, that was in the locker room, and if he if you were underperforming, he was the guy that would be in your ear and telling you what you need to do. 
So up That's on a leader. up on that stage on Canton, you are going to see the embodiment of everything that every Philadelphia sports fan wants to see. Right there. We're not an angry group. We're not looking for negativity. We're looking for Brian Dawkins. Yeah, man. And he has a great quote out saying, playing in Philadelphia is not for everybody. It takes a special type of athlete. And that special type of athlete is Brian Dawkins. I'll take 53 of them any day of the week. Any day. Any day of the week. All right, we are going to go to the uh, the Twitter questions now, Mike's favorite segment of the show. So let's uh, go ahead and fire away with the Twitter questions. And Lacey, I'll ask you to line up a couple on Facebook Live. All right, so first question is from my brother, uh, Brian Kiefer, B. Kiefer, 1353. He says, what road game do you feel is going to be the toughest test this season? So I put up the schedule for you guys. So Thank you. The first one, the Buccaneers, the Titans, the Giants, Jaguars, the Saints, Cowboys, Rams, and then the Redskins. It, it, it's undoubtedly the Saints. Because that's, that's a potential play. Well, that's not a potential playoff team. I think in the NFC South, that is the leader in the NFC South. And it's going to be hard to, to play Drew Brees down there. But I don't want to sleep on the New York Giants. Oh. I don't want to sleep on the Giants. In fact, this is another conversation for another time. But if I'm going to rank the NFC East as it stands right now, Eagles, Giants, yeah. Cowboys, Redskins. I think I think the Giants, I mean, if you look back at who played this tough last season, two times, two times, the Giants. Oh, we brought it down to the very wire. So I think, uh, but I, the Rams, the Rams are going to be tough. You know, the Rams are I would, pretty so That's what I was going to go with, the Rams. They, uh, they, they, and we're back in L.A. You know, let's see if their fans show up. <laughs> you know. Are they are they still going to be playing in uh, the Rose Bowl? They are they for, the for another year. For another year. For another that year. stadium is so rickety, bro. <laughs> rickety. Oh, it's it's old. Like you can tell, it's steeped in history. But it's but it's just it, it is the weirdest. Just cracks all over the place. Yeah, just cement. Weird. And the tunnel to get down to the to like the bottom level almost feels like a mile long. Like, there's a light. Like, that's the only time I've ever seen a light at the end of the tunnel. I ran towards it. <laughs> no, right, right. I mean, that place has ghosts in it. That's how old it is. Ghosts? Ghosts. Shit. Yeah. Although, have you seen their plans for the new stadium? No. Holy shit. Well, it's in L.A. I can only imagine. Dude, it, it is, it is absolutely gorgeous. You know, as, as we get a little older, it is kind of funny. We were all used to, like, the veteran stadium, kind of those cookie-cutter stadiums. Yeah. Then when Heinz Field popped up. Uh-huh. And uh, M and T down at, down in yeah down in Baltimore they popped up and Lincoln Financial Field was kind of around that same time and everybody kind of had the same feel and the same vibe. Now there's this generation of stadiums that are coming out that are just trying to, uh, for lack of a better word, trump each other. Well, it's it's about merchandise sales. Like Jerry Jones's world, they got it's like a small down there. They got a Victoria's yeah. Secret in there. Like they're they're just trying to sell as much as possible. But look at Minnesota Stadium. Look at look at Atlanta Stadium. Look at the proposed stadium for the soon to be Las Vegas Red Raiders. Yeah. Like you, 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 honestly, I have to wonder when was Lincoln Financial Field open? Two thousand two. Something like that. Something around like there. Four. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. Lincoln Financial Field was open. Veteran Stadium serviced the, both the Phillies and the Eagles for just about thirty to thirty-five years. All right. So if we're into this service of Lincoln Financial Field. We might be talking we're another 15 years away from a brand new facility in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. if they so choose. 
Because the way these stadiums are popping up and the well, way they look, I mean, you, you kind of got to keep up, well, right? Honestly, though, they've been adding, like, almost every offseason, they've been adding seats to the place. So, like, I can't see if they keep on renovating it that they're also going to be they're, thinking They're done about renovations. It. They're done renovations? Yeah, there, w- there was a deal in place, and, and, and don't quote me on the exact numbers, but in the contract with the city, they could not go over 90,000 seats. Okay. Or ninety-five or a hundred thousand. There was something that they couldn't go over, but to receive funding, stadium funding from the league, they had to go over. It was a catch twenty. Eighty-five thousand. So that's why they did the selective. Okay, we're gonna turn this ramp and we're gonna throw seats here, like the Miller Light deck for us. The Miller Light deck. Yeah, yeah. they they, they kind of added just enough seats to that threshold. And in fact, if in the um, in the south end zone where the tunnels are they have all those like box seats now mm-hmm. that was all included in that so they had to get over a certain number to to, to get that well, they got to keep up with the joneses no pun intended i'm jerry jones <laughs> <laughs> all right go ahead next one uh question. next question is from naz snazzilla 93 says doc and tio are going into the hall of fame this year what eagles player do you think is going to be next to go in the hall of fame mm. That's a good question. that would be one <sighs> bodyguard jason peters jason peters yeah yeah I don't think there's I'll anybody. I'll say how he can't. I mean, go in the I, Hall of Fame. between between Doc and Jason Peters, who who are you throwing in? Yeah, there, there there's really nobody. In my heart, Randall Cunningham. I wish Cunningham's never getting in. I know. This is an argument that you and I had outside of the studio after two yeah. weeks ago after the show about who's in the Hall of Fame and who's not. And unfortunately for Eagles fans, there is a lot of players. That are going to end up in the Hall of Pretty Good, Hall of Pretty Damn Good, Hall of Fame, completely different level. In fact, if if I was the guess, it would either be Jason Peters or somehow, some way, and I know Ray Dittinger is a champion for this. Mick, 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 Mick. Nope, nope. Try again. Running. Nope. Buddy Era. Eric Allen. Okay. Ray Dittinger's been making a case for Eric Allen to get in. And I could I could I, I, I could, could absolutely see that. that. I could but he's you know, I mean, he's gotta like sneak in at some point. There's a lot of players that, you know, as you have to be retired for what, four or five years? Five years, five five years. years before you're eligible for the for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Every year there's gonna be first ballers. Oh yeah. Right? So Ed Reed next year, first ballot, no question. He's already taken a spot. Then Brian Dawkins, I would love to talk to Ray Dininger and ask him what was the voting process because we were all nervous that either Atwater or um, – is, is Atwater going in? Uh, I don't think so. Or, or John Lynch. We all thought Atwater. that John Lynch, Lynch. was going to go in prior to Brian Dawkins and actually Jeez. ended up Dawkins. Right. Yeah. So you're going to see the John Lynches of the world, the Atwaters of the world. Now you're starting to build what happened uh, about 10 years ago when Chris Carter couldn't freaking get in. Yeah. And that's a log jam at a certain position. So these first balloters are going to keep rolling, and you just got to hope that like somebody squeezes in. All right, we'll do one more question from at the Chris Wild. He says, if he was drafted here, would Jenkins be held in the same regard as Dawkins? We love number 27, but he will end up with Doc like love. So I feel like um, Dawkins has more of a uh, an aura about him. Yes. I, feel, I feel like he'll have more of a legacy in Philadelphia. However, one thing that Malcolm has that Dawkins doesn't is a legendary play in a winning Super Bowl. Yes. I will always remember Malcolm Jenkins 
crippling Brandon Cooks. That that'll be a vivid memory in my head as a key play in the Super Bowl to win. I mean Jenkins, if you just go back and watch the Super Bowl, you don't. Re- I mean, if you don't realize how important he is to this defense, whether he it was is, defense, like whether yeah. it is playing multiple positions or watching him on the sidelines and, and speaking to the rest of the teammates, that dude is the glue yeah. on that side. And I think with stuff that he's done with the social issues, that's also been a, a huge, huge deal. So. Lacey, let's take a couple from Facebook Live over here. I know I know you've been chatting it up, and we appreciate everybody that's checking in on Facebook Live. Uh, let's take a couple questions from uh, from them. All right, so we have two. Um, one was, if JHR shows up, do you sign him to a contract eight to ten weeks um, into the season, or do you wait until the offseason to sign him? Who is this? JJI shows up early in the season. Pull what they did with Alshon in the middle of the season. A, a, a lot of us have automatically assumed that JJI is gone next year, whether it be the knee troubles uh, yeah. or, you know, he came in middle just, of the season last year and he kind of got to see how it goes. But I, I, have, I have a feeling they're going to put him to work. They're yeah. Gonna, they're going to they're gonna get everything out of, out of him and run him to the ground yeah. and then move on. If they're, he balls out, do, do, you, do, you, do you sign him? If I mean, he's balling out this year, gonna do you do sign him? They're going to do what? The Dallas Cowboys did to DeMarco Murray in his last year there. Just run him to the ground. Run him into the right. ground. Run the hell I mean, he, he's on bar. That knee is, you know, if it's if they got to keep sitting him out here and there, you're just, it's borrowed time. Like, a running back's knees can only take so much of a beating. But, yeah. Mike, you got to understand something, in the, or rather the, the, the person who asked the Twitter question. If he balls out, he's in a contract year. You know, how much money is that going to demand? Right. You know what I mean? Anybody who hits free agency is overpaid. Plain and simple. Absolutely. People are like, what did he sign to? What did that team sign him to? How much money? I'm not sure why everybody's always shocked in the offseason when free agency starts by these ridiculous fucking contracts that these players are, are, are signing. Look at that Alshon deal. It looks like pennies compared to the other contracts that's going now, on it, right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if he balls out, he's going to ball out of our budget. Well, but then again, like, right. I mean, right. do you really want to pay for, you know, running get, back with a limited amount of years? There's always Donnell Pumphrey. He's getting up There's there. always Donnell Pumphrey. Smallwood. There's Smallwood, too. Sproles. Corey, Corey Clement. Clement. <laughs> Corey Clement, running back of the future. All of a sudden, my hot take doesn't look so hot. Now it does it. Now it does it. Do we, <laughs> got, a, do we got another one for Facebook? Yes, we do. Um, right before you guys head to Canton, what is your favorite B-Doc moment? Hmm. It got to say that hit one. with uh, Crumpler in the MC Championship game. It was a tone setter. I mean, there's so many, man. I, I mean, know. That, I mean, that, the that play where he, he's me. like flying in the air against the giant, and he's like, yeah. it seems yeah. like he's even elevating even more. Looks cartoonish. Know. Yeah. Looks CGI. Honestly, it wasn't even... It wasn't even so much as a play. I just miss his presence coming out of the locker room. The whole crawl out of the locker room, getting everybody juiced up. That stadium was electric when I he mean, was coming out. How many room. dudes do you know that can get you hyped as hell using the word doggone it? There one. is a, there is <laughs> one play, or rather a collection of plays, that goes kind of under the radar and a little underrated. And I don't want to speak falsely, so I'm going to kind of leave it up to Twitter to figure out what stat I'm talking about. But it was at Veteran Stadium against the fledgling Houston Texans when Brian Dawkins recorded an interception, recorded a fumble recovery, and then took a direct snap on a punt and took it to the house. And he is the only player in NFL history to do so. And I, can, I can't believe 
that whatever quality control special teams coach there was didn't recognize number 20 in punt formation and go, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Watch him. Because he just took the direct snap, left everybody in the wake, into the end zone. Crowd absolutely went crazy. I would say the also the Brian Dawkins suplex. Uh, oh. That was pretty cool against Washington. Yeah. Not 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 many two players get suplexed like in a wrestling ring. <laughs> I mean Dawkins did that. We could we could sit here and literally talk for an hour on Brian Dawkins' plays that were our favorite, but we can't wait to live that with you. Out in Canton, Ohio. Make sure you get the right tickets, Evan. All right? And we will see you Friday at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll also be partying Thursday night when we go ahead and arrive in Cleveland. Uh, iTunes, give us a positive rating. Yeah. All right? Give us the old five stars. Give us a review. Give us the old thumbs up. We appreciate everybody that's been watching on Facebook Live. Tomorrow... We have a date with our friends over at phillyinfluencer.com doing a joint podcast that'll stream on Facebook right there with Sean Brace and the entire crew. Check out the t-shirt shop. We got some new awesome stuff there, and let's bring it home, boys. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Eagles football? We're talking Eagles football. You're listening to Fourth and John. Wait, what the f is a John anyway? Hey, Dallas! I put a team in my fucking back, though. Fire! 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 I'm gonna get real weird with it. Look at this dude. We just won the fucking Super Bowl, you jaw motherfucker! I'm gonna make it an Or donkey. Hello, motherfucker. Poor donkey. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.